Welcome back to the podcast from the Oxford International Centre for Publishing Studies. Today we have a recording of a presentation given by Vanessa Lafay, who is the Compass Publisher for Wiley Blackwell. The Compass Journals publish state-of-the-art peer-reviewed survey articles entirely online. There is no print version. This innovative product is demonstrated by Vanessa and she is going to show us the use of the technology. Here then is Vanessa Lafay. Hi, my name is Vanessa Fye. I'm the Compass Publisher at Wiley Blackwell, and I'm here to talk to you about some very weird journals called Compass. Um, I've called this the quality of a scholarly journal, the speed of the web, but it could equally be called online, no one can hear you scream. Um, the website on the screen now is the one that um, is the sort of gateway for, for all of the journals. And you can see that there are eight different titles here um, covering the social sciences and humanities. Um, we also have information for authors, reviewers, librarians, etc. There's an interactive tutorial. There's a pod page where we have various recordings of academics talking about things. Also some videos that, that go with it and, um, and a few more things. This, this is the gateway to the, to the journals. Um, if we just look at one of them briefly. This is the history one. And um, what's unusual uh, about this, well, there's, there's many things. Um, in the world of journal publishing now, there still aren't that many that are only published online. There's, there's no print that goes out to, to people at all. Now, all of us who are used to reading uh, newspapers online and, and blogs and everything else online are, are used to taking in a lot of content that way with, without print anymore. But in, within academic journals, there's still something that's, that's, that's kind of iffy about not having any print at all. At least it was when, when we first started doing this. Um, but over time, we found that, that people's hang-ups about this have, have, have started to go away. And now it's something that really not anybody mentions that much anymore. What we have here is a series of sections which break down the, the field. All the compasses are the same. The, uh, the constituent subdisciplines are, are listed in this way. And then when you go into any of them, for example, Britain and Ireland, you see uh, the latest articles that we've, that we've published um, just on this area. We publish articles continuously. You're probably used to thinking about journals in terms of issues and volumes that come out monthly or quarterly or something like that. That's working very slow today. Um, but uh, we publish the articles as soon as they're ready, which could mean um, every week. And this is another thing that makes us very unusual in, in the academic world. There we go. So what you see here are the latest articles that have been that have been published, clicking through to any of them, I'll, I'll show you in a minute what, what that look like, looks like. You also see we have something called teaching and learning guide. Now that is something written by the uh, same author of the article, which talks to people about how they can use that article in their teaching. So, <coughs> if we just click on this article about women in Scotland. Uh, we're going to go through to the to the abstract, and there are some some things that I want to point out to you there as well, that are that are different about this. Um, one of the main things you can see all of these links to do with this with different subject classifications. This is something that's unique to Compass, and each of these click clickable links 
essentially uh, initiates a new search for you. So if you want to find out um, other articles about women's history, um, the article's been classified as about women's history. You click on that and it'll initiate a new search for you. Um, abstracts are free to everyone um, and it's only when you want to read the whole article that you have to um, get to the full text, which is actually in, an in another place entirely, and I'll explain a bit about that. So that's a sort of brief int introduction to the journals themselves. And what I want to um, carry on with now is a bit of the, a bit of the background. <clears throat> so who knows what a review journal is? Just put your hand up. There's a half a hand going up at the back, yeah? Yeah, what's, I'm not gonna call on Drew at all, because Drew's actually working with us on Compass and on doing work experience, so, so it's not, no fair, Drew. So, um, the gentleman next to you, what's a, what's a review journal? Um, <coughs> in my experience, it's just a journal full of um, article reviews written by academics on their academics work. Okay, that's, that's true in some contexts. You can have journals that publish nothing but reviews of books. Um, but that's not the kind of review journal that we're, that we're talking about here. Um, what we mean by review journal in, in this context is that and all of the articles review the state of the field and they present the state of the art in the field. That is, they don't go into detail about the author's own works, their own studies, their own, their own theories, their own experiments, um, their own studies. What the author is doing is taking a step back to give all the rest of us an overview of what's important in the field. And this makes Compass absolutely unique in the world of um, social sciences and humanities journals publishing because for the rest of the world of journals, um, the authors are, are presenting their own work for a very specialist audience. The Compass journals are presenting a much broader picture of the field for a much more um, broad audience. Okay, these are the subjects that we cover and the dates when we launch the various journals. All the Compass journals are the same in terms of their format, in terms of the technology, um, in terms of their editorial structure. So we, so we de devised a formula that we found to work and we've replicated it across these eight subjects. That helps us to keep the costs down, that also helps us to systematize everything. All of the editorial stuff, all the production stuff, everything is now done in the same way for all of the journals. And that, when it comes, when it comes to running the journals, helps us a lot that we don't have to have special arrangements for, for the different subjects. But when we first started this, um, Compass was <laughs> very weird in being online only, in the world of um, social sciences and humanities, where, which is very book-based, very print-based. Um, the fact that we were publishing things so quickly was seen as, as kind of suspect as well. So, uh, but, but we thought that if we were gonna have an online-only journal, which was a decision we made early on, then why should we be following the traditional model of a print journal? That seemed to make no sense at all. So we publish them online only. Another difference is that for most journals, um, you're probably aware that they, uh, they open their doors to the world and they say, this, this is our remit, these are the types of papers we want, and then they wait for the articles to come. 
and all the authors who are working in that subject who think they have something for that journal are going to send it in and hope to be accepted. Well, Compass works much more like um, a book publishing model where our team of editors who are all um, experienced academics who, who we've recruited um, identify authors and topics that they think people want to read about and then they approach those people and ask them to write for Compass. So it's, it's, it's a very un unusual way of, of, of getting articles to um, publish. We also decided that um, as you're all used to using databases and, and things like that, when you, when you come to a, a website, you expect to have a lot of stuff there, a lot of content. When you're doing your searches, you don't just want one or two results, you want a lot of results. The problem with that is, is that a journal grows much more slowly um, than people's expectations of a database would allow. So we didn't have 10,000 articles to start with. We didn't even have 100 to start with. So we decided we were going to have to find ways of, of growing the content much more quickly than a normal journal, which on average would publish maybe 30 articles a year. We set ourselves a target of 100 articles a year, um, and we're pretty much making that now. As I said before, the articles are published continuously, which means people don't have to wait for, for an issue to come out. Um, so uh, we, we have sort of dummy issues because um, it allows us to have an electronic content alerting service. And you, you probably know yourselves if you're interested in any journals, you don't go to see what the journal has that's new. You wait for them to send you the table of contents, something like that. You have a look at it, anything you're interested in, you click through to it. We have to be able to do that for all of our journals too. And that means having what we call dummy issues. Every two months, we send, we send one out, the list of all the new articles that we've published. Um, Compass still, even after five years or so, has no direct competition. And that's either because our competitors are just think we're nuts and they don't want to waste their own money doing something as crazy as this, or, and this is, this is my view, um, they, they would like to, but it's just really, really difficult. And because we did it first, it means it's going to be less likely that they go into it. We sell the titles one at a time, but people can also buy them um, in packages. Now, a couple of these slides were here um, in case I couldn't make the links work. So um, one of the un other unusual things that, um, that we've done by having eight of these journals all the same with the same technology is that um, we decided that we were going to treat them more, more like uffing with eight parts. So that would give us, um, sorry, they're in the middle of their own talk over there. <laughs> so that would give us the chance to treat all of these eight disciplines together, if you like, like one big pot of Compass, uh, of compass content that goes all the way from uh, the hard end of geography, so that's rivers and rocks, all the way through to philosophy and you know abstract concepts from English literature or or thing or things like that. So every time you do a search on one compass, it replicates the search across all eight compasses and shows you that for your search term, say uh, if you're searching on the on the Korean War and history compass, it'll show you that there are results in all the other compasses that might match that that search query as well and then you can go off and explore those and you see that you know if the result is is coming up in literature compass there's going to be you know the context of, of literature there for you but it means that um more and more 
we can facilitate multidisciplinary type of, of work and, and scholarship. And what, what we're hearing from our authors and, and our users is that uh, more and more people are not describing themselves along the traditional um, discipline lines anymore. They're not a historian or a ge geographer, they're a historian of geography. And they want to be able to roam across disciplines freely and they don't want to be bound anymore um, by definitions that we publishers find convenient. Another unusual aspect of Compass is that we, uh, we didn't set out for this to be a teaching tool, and by that I mean really um, higher education, um, but because the nature of the articles, because they give these overview perspectives on the state of the field, people have started wanting to use them in, in classes like, like yours masters or even senior undergraduate, um, but definitely graduate student courses because they fill a space between where the textbooks that you used as an undergraduate end and all of that really high level uh, primary literature, which is, is, is still a bit out of reach if you haven't yet got a PhD or, or something like that. So it's a, it's a very nice gentle introduction to the research without you already having to be an expert in that, in that subject. So to help people who want to use these articles in teaching, we have these teaching and learning guides, which I showed you briefly, um, written by the author. It puts the article in the context that the teacher can then see how to, um, how to implement that article in, in a class. Um, there are uh, other online resources that go along with the article. There's even a little bit of a syllabus for the teacher to see, oh yeah, I can see how to insert that article in it. Um, no other journal that we published does this. And we're not aware of any other scholarly journals that do either, because um, although a lot of scholarly journals uh, will say that part of their mission is to um, engage with students and bring on the, ne the next generation, generally they don't do anything about that except have it as part of their mission. Um, in case you were thinking that maybe uh, we knew what we were doing right from the beginning and got it all, all right first time, we didn't. Uh, we had a lot of ideas that were originally part of Compass, which have fallen away now because um, they didn't work. And the great thing about electronic publishing is that you can see when stuff works by how many people are using them, how many people are clicking on them. In the print world, you have no idea. So um, these are some of the things that we started off having, and we, th we thought one of the great things that, that we could do with Compass was to also break down the barrier between books and journals. Um, academics use, use them both side by side. They're sat at their desks with a book open, with a journal open. We could, uh, but yet publishers produce everything in two completely separate streams. Wouldn't it be great if we could mirror how the academics were actually using uh, this, this content? This was a disaster when we tried to do this because um, uh, the customers, which for us meant um, uh, institutional librarians, their world is divided between books and journals, just like our world is. Their budgets are, everything that they're used to purchasing is either a book or a journal, and they could not get their heads around something that was supposed to have a mixture of both. So that practical problem, combined with the fact that um, these things on the, on the screen, the short book notices, notices of new books, um, including um, full text of reference works, uh, and we, we also put out some shorter articles that, that weren't peer-reviewed and, and came out even more quickly. Um, we don't do any of that stuff now. 
what's what's happened over time is that we can see that the things that people really value are the longer meteor peer-reviewed articles to the exclusion of everything else so that's all we do now it's kind of disappointing though because you think oh wow we've got this great opportunity to really innovate and and really come up with it with a new publishing model but if it doesn't work in the real world then there's no point what we learned from this is that what people say they want often in the context of something new isn't really what they want so because we did market research on all this kind of stuff all the things that we're not doing now got really high approval ratings when we did when we did our, our market research which is why we did them but what we learned is, is that um, you take a chance when you just rely on what on what people say, are, are saying um, and the only test that you can really rely on is what people do with it when they when they get it Okay, a summary of what makes Compass special. This fast, continuous publication. Um, I can't stress enough. Uh, we have what we call um, a bespoke front end, which is what we were looking at just now. This is a, a website that, that is built by a, a, a third-party um, software company for us. Um, because we wanted to showcase Compass in a way that we, we couldn't through the existing company systems, which I'll, I'll show you in, in a minute. We wanted a place where we could experiment and, and innovate, um, uh, but when you're part of a big company like Wiley Blackwell with 1,300 journals that are doing things one way, it's impossible to do things any other way but that. So we've got this kind of funky front end, which is where we do some of the interesting and unusual things, but when people want to get through to the full text of the article, it's not here. They can search and browse here, but when they want to get to the full text, they're back to our big journal platform, which is where all the other 1,300 journals live. Going back to what makes Compass special, this uh, about three times the amount of content that, you, that people are used to getting in a, in a normal journal. And again, that's part of the expectations of, of the online world. Um, the nature of the articles being accessible to non-specialists means that the, uh, the most senior professor in the department and their grad student and even some of the undergraduates will be able to read these articles. That makes them very different to the normal style of research journal that, um, that uh, most people are, are used to seeing. On the innovation side, this is something where we focused a lot of our, of our energy. Once we got uh, the machine going to, to commission the articles and, and publish the articles on a, on a regular basis, we then turned our attention to what other things we can do to make, to make this stuff really stand out. And that's a, really a necessity when you're starting anything new in, in the world of publishing. You know, it's terribly hard to get attention for something new. Uh, the taxonomic classification, which is those, uh, are those subject um, links that I showed you, Every article is classified in multiple ways, um, which means that we can then perform those, those searches by topic, which, which means that the words that people are searching on may not appear, or that people are interested in, may not appear anywhere in the article, or not enough times really to, to get, um, to boost the, the rankings of the content that they want. Yes? So who um, classifies them, the authors or you? The authors do, yeah. Yeah, we have an online submission system, and part of that submission process is for them to select 
their, um, their classifications. Um, none of the other journals in Wiley Blackwell have this, and mostly, I, I, don't, I don't think most of our competitors are doing it yet either. It's um, something that um, we decided to do because it, it informs the search. It tells the, con the search engine what the content is really about, even the, if the author hasn't been very good at the way they've structured their title or their abstract. The classification says this is the real subject of this article. Um, the other use that we yes sorry just a minute no um, that seems really familiar to me to what the journals aggregators do so like Edgar and uh, Progress is is that are their keyword things that they have on their platforms done by the number of times machines that the word that's right yeah yeah yep, so that's right so it's that's right so it's 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 scanning the content and picking out the words. And there's some pretty clever machines that, that, can, that can do this now. But there's, there's a difference between um, classifying by the instances of words in the content and what the content is really about. And that may not be the same thing. It, it, it might, but having, having humans do it, do it is, is way, way more intelligent. The other use we put to this classification is that we have a big database of reference content. Remember I said we used to have reference works in Compass? Well, we took them out and we made a new product just for them, which is sold separately, makes librarians happy because they understand that's books, this is journals. Um, and, but we use the same classification scheme for all of our reference content as we do for Compass, and they talk to each other. So when you do a search in Compass, it does the same search in Blackwell Reference Online of all the reference works and shows you that there are results there, which um, I'll show you in a minute. The pedagogical features I mentioned, the community in engagement, the sort of um, the big goal for lots of companies, including publishers, ever since online became important, is, is community engagement. And by that, what we want is to somehow harness all of the activity that, that everybody in this room is carrying out every day online doing, you know, stuff for, their, for your real lives, um, in the service of our products. We want to somehow make you feel that you are part of a community that, um, that relates to what we're, what we're selling. And it's not that we're trying to sell directly to you if you were academics, because you're not, you're not buying Compass, it's your librarian we really want to reach, but we reach your librarian through you because when faculty go along and say to the librarian, hey, I've seen this great journal, I really think we should get it, the librarian makes a note of that, and if it keeps happening, if it keeps happening enough times, then it's, it's possible the librarian might buy it. So, like I said, when we were starting off with Compass and trying to get attention for ourselves, one of the key things we thought would help is if we could build a community around Compass. And, you know, the um, history of the last 10 years is littered with failures of other companies who've, who've tried, to, tried to do this because people are actually um, very happy to join communities around their hobbies or their interests or their pets, but less so um, in the service of companies like, like us. But what we did was we recruited what we called a user crew for Compass, which now has 4,000 members. It's, it's grown from, uh, I think initially we had 500 when we, when we started. Um, as we publish new journals, we, uh, we reach out to a new group of our of our contacts in, in the different fields and we invite them to help us develop Compass. That's the reason for them to join, is that they um, tell us what they think about it, what's good, what's bad, what should change, and then we try and actually do something about that. And 
Now that there are 4,000 of them and they're actually pretty engaged, we get a lot from them. We get a, we get a lot of information from them about, about Compass itself. They help us to sell Compass in their, in their institutions. They talk to their students about it. They talk to their colleagues about it. They become actually a really powerful force for us um, in the marketplace. Uh, and as I said before, the last thing is that um, the content that we're publishing is very different from most journals in, in the level that it's pitched. There's quite some, some quite dense user comments on here, which um, I won't expect you to read now because um, there's, there's a lot of words there. But um, these are from members of, of this user crew. Um, we get endorsements from them that we can then publish on, on, on the website, of course, you know, with their commission and all of that kind of thing. But that's just an example of one way that we use them. What we set out to do was, was to provide a layer of explanation um, on top of the research output, which everyone knows is growing and growing and growing beyond the bounds of any human to keep up with it. We, um, this this is, has already been going on for a long time in, in science and medical publishing, journals whose only purpose is to make sense of research. But it hadn't reached the social sciences and humanities when we were doing it. So that's, this is why we thought that there was room for us to essentially copy the model from science and medicine into, into these disciplines. So the aim is to make sense of the research for people. It can be used by faculty and students, which makes it quite different. The multidisciplinary side of things is becoming ever more important as using online resources makes people realize that they don't have to stay in their old subject boxes anymore. And it supports um, advanced teaching. However, some people, when they look at the Compass journals, really just focus on the fact that they're different because there's no print, and hey, isn't that groovy? But um, it's really not the, not the point. Um, nothing, absolutely nothing matters more in, in this world than the quality of, of your content. You don't get that right, it doesn't matter how great your website is, or what gimmicks you have, or how easy it is to use. And we found over the years that it's, it's quite treacherous um, to just go on what people say they would like from you online. Um, and you, you get a, a lot of people saying, but you're not taking full advantage of the medium. This is just like a print journal online. And actually, if you try and give them something else, they, they get really nervous. What they really want is exactly what they're used to in print, maybe just a bit faster and maybe just a bit more often, and maybe delivered to their desktop. Um, the, uh, the assurance of, of rigorous quality control um, is the most important thing. All the signposts of a high quality print journal have to be there. The peer review, the editorial board, the, the editors with recognizable names, the high quality production process, which, which we put into it, the name of the publisher, all of these things have to be right for them to trust you. Now, I just wanted to mention one of the um, developments that we're most excited about, which actually originated with our user crew. They said, why, why don't you have a forum where people from all the Compass disciplines can meet online and talk about things? So we've decided that we're gonna hold our own academic conference around Compass. Um, the theme is breaking down barriers. It's free to everyone. I'd encourage all of you to register. It's happening over two weeks in October when we are going to try and replicate many of the things that go on in an academic conference um, online. It'll cover all the eight Compass disciplines 
We're going to have keynote podcast addresses from some really important thinkers in these fields. We're going to have uh, scholarly papers in the Compass style presented with discussion with the, with the authors. We're going to have a publishing workshop for people who are uh, wanting to break into journals or, or break into books. There's going to be a book exhibit with a discount. Um, and there's an entertainment um, section, including a, a cocktail bar in Second Life, which um, is freaking out many of our older participants. Um, but probably all of you use Second Life, do you? No? No? Lots of yes? Yes? No? Lots of heads shaking no, not many. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're excited about this because it will be the first time that we've tried to say that um, these journals can provide a way of academics from dis different disciplines. We can, we can facilitate the exchange of ideas across these barriers, which is something that lots of people say that they want to do. And the fact that it's online only means that we've got 350 people registered already um, from 56 countries, many of whom have never been to a conference, couldn't go to a conference because of the cost of travel and, uh, and things like that. So it's going to be very international, a huge experiment. We really don't know what's going to happen. And that's been true of much of what we've done in the development of, of Compass so far. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.